big crowd this morning. Awesome. Connor, you can sit right there, buddy. Or right here. Either one. Well, good morning, everyone. See, everybody answered this time. That's awesome. Well, let's pray together, and then we are going to... Yes, yes. Jesus, we love you so much, and we're so thankful that you've blessed this little church, our fellowship of people with um, little kids, young people who just want to pursue hard after you, that want to give you their lives, that they want to abandon their everything to follow the King, you, Lord Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer and friend. And so this morning, I pray that as we listen, as we lean into the teaching and the preaching of the Word, Jesus, that through the power of your Spirit, that you would transform our hearts, that you would help us to see and experience and to know the reality that you are the word of truth, that you are God, and that you alone are worthy of all glory and honor and worship and praise. We love you, Lord Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. I want to ask you all a couple of questions. Did you all prepare for today? Did you study? Did your parents give you the study sheet? No, they didn't? Oh, man, I can't believe your parents didn't do that. But it's, it's pretty easy, so that's okay. Have any of you ever written a letter? Have you ever written a letter? Yeah? That's great. Which letter? A, B, C? That's my joke. That's horrible. But that was my, that was my one joke for today. Okay. Did you know that the New Testament is mostly letters? Did you know that? You guys aren't, you're only going to answer the ones that you know? Come on. It's okay to say we didn't know. Did you know that the New Testament was mostly letters? No, yes. We got a little mix of yeses and nos. Like when you think about Romans, that was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Galatians, he wrote that to a bunch of churches in a whole region called the Galactic region. And then there are some other letters that he wrote to individuals. Can you think of one? What about Timothy? Yeah. Timothy, that's a great answer. Well, today, Pastor Kevin's going to talk to you a little bit about a passage in 2 Timothy. And what's really interesting about the Apostle Paul is, is that in almost every single one of his letters, do you know how he introduced himself? It's okay to answer. You can say no, yes, maybe. You guys don't know how he introduced himself? You don't remember? In almost every single one of his letters, Paul introduced himself by saying, an apostle. Do you know what an apostle is? What's an apostle? Do you really know, or are you just going to say that? Go ahead. Well, that's kind of a little bit. An apostle in the Greek, it means a sent one, somebody that's sent. So Paul wants to introduce himself. He's not introducing himself in the sense that when we think of the apostles is like, oh, those were the super Christians, right? Peter and Paul and the disciples that later became apostles that were martyred, they died. 
preaching and proclaiming the gospel to the ends of the earth. But what's more important than that, when Paul was saying that, he wasn't saying, like, I'm really important, I'm an apostle with a big capital A. What he was saying is that he was just simply saying, I'm somebody who believes in Jesus Christ as the King, the resurrected Lord, and I believe in the story of God. I believe in the story of God. Can you think of anybody else who believed in the story of God? Who? Moses believed in the story of God. Who else? Noah believed in the story of God. Paul believed in the story of God. What about Abraham? Abraham believed in the story of God. And so in Genesis chapter 12, how do we know that Abraham believed in the story of God? If you go into the Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abraham, go... And then we fast forward a couple of verses, and what did Abraham do? It says, Abraham went. That's what it is to be an apostle, is that you listen to God and his leading through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, like in the Old Testament, sometimes even in the New Testament, God spoke to people, and they could hear his audible voice. Isn't that cool? You know how God speaks to us today? It's not very often that he speaks to people with an audible voice. Sometimes he can do that. But you know how he speaks to everybody? He speaks through his word, the Bible. That's right. And so if we lean into God's word, he can teach us some really amazing things. 2 Timothy 2.15, it reads, this is Paul writing to who? Timothy. 2 Timothy, who's Paul writing to? Timothy, right. It's a second letter that we have. And in 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul says to Timothy, hasten. Do you guys know what hasten means? If someone says, make haste, what should you do? Does it mean to take your time, just to relax, kind of put it on the back burner, think about it for a while? What does it mean? Do it fast. Hasten to present yourself as one standing with God. What do you think Paul means by that? He probably means that he wants Timothy to do what? To present himself as someone standing with God, and he wants him to do it fast, like right now. Don't wait. Don't delay. He says, hasten to present yourself as one standing with God, a worker unashamed. And then he tells him how he can do that. Do you want to know how? Because it's the same thing that you should do. And I should do. And if somebody wants to follow hard after Jesus and to give Jesus, our King, their whole lives, Paul tells us how we can do that. Do you guys want to know? Does he say, ask Jesus into your heart? No, he doesn't say that. He says, ortho tomeo. Does anybody know what ortho tomeo means? If you do, I'll be super impressed because I had to look it up. Orthotomeo is the Greek word, which means ortho is correct or right, and tomeo means to cut. So Pastor Kevin brought some scissors, and I have a piece of paper here. And if I go like this, if Paul's saying to cut, did I just do what Paul said to do? How do you know? Because what? Because I wasn't cutting? Am I, did I just do what Paul wanted me to do? You say yes, okay? Anybody else? You think I was doing what Paul? Did I cut straight? 
So if you just make up your own line and you just cut, are you doing what Paul wants you to do? What does he want you to follow? He says right here, he says, orthotomeo, follow or cut straight the word of truth. Well, what if I were to go like this and I made it really, that's a perfectly straight line. Did I just do what Paul wants me to do? Why not? I cut straight. I cut the corner, but it's still a straight line. Look, I'll do it again. Look at that. What's wrong with the diagonal line? I just did. Orthotomeo means to cut straight. Didn't I just cut straight? And I cut straight again? And now I'm making a mess? Just for fun? What do you have to do in order to follow Paul's directions? Yes, he says orthotomeo means to cut straight, but what does he mean by that? He means we have to follow something. What do we have to follow? We have to follow the word of truth wherever it takes us. And it doesn't always mean a straight line. We have to go wherever the Spirit leads. And you know how we can know where the Spirit leads? It's in the Word. This is what Jesus wants us to know. Jesus is the Word, and the Word is Jesus. That's right. So when we follow, some people say, well, we're the best denomination because of this, because we're straight, because we cut things the right way. But did they follow the Word? Did they do it in grace and in truth? Did they do it in humility? Or are they more proud of what it is that they believe in than following hard after Jesus? Yeah. So what we need to do is we need to follow that straight line. Remember when we were learning from uh, Peter's letter in Second Peter? He said, give all your attention. Make every effort. That was pretty good. I cut right down that line, didn't I? But I had to pay attention to it. If I was just doing this, guess what I would have done? Ow! I just cut my finger. I didn't really. I'm okay. I'm okay, everybody. You have to give all your attention to following hard after Jesus. So when Paul says in 2 Timothy, hasten to present yourself as one standing with God. How do we do that? How do we hasten to present ourselves standing with God as a worker who's unashamed? We have to follow the guideline, the word of truth. That is Jesus. That's exactly right. And how do we know Jesus? How do we know what Jesus? That's right. Jesus is the word, and the word teaches us about Jesus. Isn't that awesome? that Jesus loves us so much that he would give us a love letter telling us not just who he is, but who he created us to be. Thanks for picking all that stuff up for me. You're wonderful. Let's pray together, and then we're going to continue with our service. King Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for today. I pray that you would open our ears, open our hearts, teach us that you are the word of truth, and that we would follow hard after you, that we would abandon our lives unto you for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand and sing.
Stars are falling, hearts are breaking. How we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting. Welcome, holy child. Welcome, holy child. Hope that you. We would have known, but long awaited, holy stranger, make yourself at home. Please make yourself at home. Bring your peace into our violence. Bid our hungry souls be filled. Word now break in heaven's silence. Welcome to our world. Welcome to fourth week of Advent. It's a celebration of the coming of the Savior of the world. Amen? Well, as the story goes, a man hired some day laborers. When they arrived at the site... He had specific jobs to be accomplished. The boss said, I need someone who can lay tile. One laborer eagerly raised his hand. I can do that. I can lay tile. But I can also do electrical and landscaping, carpentry, sheetrock, painting, even interior design. And the boss simply said, I just need someone who can lay tile. I can do that, said the laborer. The boss assigned the man, along with all the others, to their tasks. And before departing, he asked, are we clear on what's to be done? Are there any questions? 
The laborers all confirmed their understanding, and the boss headed out. The laborer hired to lay tile spent some time drafting out his elaborate plan. Then he headed out to get all the supplies, the switches, the fixtures, the plants, the soil, the grass, the lumber, the sheetrock, the paint, the carpet, even curtains. Then back to the site and began working at a blistering pace. At the end of the day, the boss returned, walked the site one after another. He noticed the jobs assigned completed to his satisfaction. As he was going, he complimented each laborer, well done. Then the boss called out, which of you is the man I assigned to lay tile? That man, seeing the reaction that the others got for the jobs that they'd done, was absolutely beaming, hardly able to contain his pride, eagerly awaiting the boss's praise, public and vocal, for his initiative, his creativity, his attention to detail. The boss said to that laborer, did I not hire you to lay tile? The man responded, you did, sir. Did I not give you all the tools, all the supplies, all the directions and instructions? You did, sir. Then why is the one task I assigned to you left undone? The laborer, seemingly baffled, responded, Tile's easy. I wanted to show you my real skill, my creativity, my initiative, my attention to detail. Did you see the dimmer switches? The mood lighting? You can control it all with an app from your phone. Did you see the shrubs, the flowers, the grass, the cabinets, the countertops? Did you see the walls? I painted them myself. The newest and latest designer colors. Handmade wallpaper, luxurious curtains, plush carpet. The boss responded, I didn't ask you to do any of those things. The laborer, I know, I know, but I did it with my own money. The boss responded, what did I instruct you to do? To lay tile, sir. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 6, at the time of the great flood, God found one man, one, whose heart wasn't always evil all the time. One man who could follow directions. Again, in Genesis 12, God could only find one man. His name was Abram, and God said to Abram, go. And Abram went. It was in Noah's simple, literal obedience that humanity was spared from the flood of wrath and judgment. It was through Abram, later to be called Abraham, his simple, 
literal obedience that God ordained, Abram, through you, all the families, all the peoples on earth shall be blessed. Noah and Abram's obedience was temporary, imperfect, a mere foreshadowing of the perfect obedience to come in Christ Jesus, the one who went to the cross, shamed, despised, rejected, to glorify the Father and redeem fallen humanity. Jesus was resurrected on the third day, conquering Satan, death, sin, and shame. In Matthew 28, 16 to 20, we read, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, having been brought through, disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's only in our hastening unto simple, literal obedience, our following the straight path, the word of truth, King Jesus, that we stand with God as laborers, unashamed. The common denominator, Abraham, David, the Apostle Paul, the heroes of faith, the martyrs, the great multitude of revelation, the one thing in common, desperate dependency on Christ, active participation in the gospel, Obedience to the Holy Spirit's leading, hastening, actively participating and suffering for the gospel, presenting themselves, ourselves, yourself as obedient, a laborer, unashamed, standing with God. Is that what your life looks like? When you examine yourself and ask God to do so, is that what you see? Or does it look more like the fool from the story at the onset? Creative, taking initiative, leaving the one God-given task undone. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and 22, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out 
demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty miracles in your name? Today, we would say, Jesus, didn't we host elaborate worship services? Didn't we? Didn't we have amazing nights of worship? Hallelujah. Didn't we have prayer meetings and Christmas programs, live nativities, all kinds of events, youth camps, financial peace, marriage enrichment seminars, tea parties? Didn't we draft doctrinal statements that were perfect? Didn't we build buildings, launch satellite campuses? Didn't we paint murals? Didn't we hand out turkeys? Didn't we pass out cold water? Didn't we deliver slushies? Didn't we give away puppies and implement strict COVID protocols all in your name? Didn't we? Jesus' response in Matthew to those consumed with events and policies, projects, programs, productions, protocols, popularity, publicity, miracles, and agendas, yet leaving the one task he'd given undone. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Away from me, all of you laboring in lawlessness. It's a sobering thought with everything that we do, with all the time that we spend. Are we doing the one thing that our king commanded us to do? In Isaiah thirty-three eleven, the Lord God spoke, and he said, You have conceived dry grass. You give birth to straw. My breath will devour you like a fire. As a pastor, sometimes today I think that we're a drive-through kind of people. Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll take a, an order of eternal salvation, God. I'll take an order of eternal salvation with all of your promises, all of your blessings. But hold the warnings. Hold the correction. That's not for me. Isn't it amazing that the warnings and the corrections in Scripture are always for someone else? We know from the Word what obedience to the Word is and what it looks like. A whole series in Psalm 107, Abandon unto Yahweh. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God. That doesn't just mean that we do that first thing in the morning, and then the rest of the day we spend chasing after our stuff, our dreams, our wants, our desires. It means, as Peter said, make every 
effort. Give all your attention to, as Paul said, hastening to present yourselves as laborers unashamed, standing with God. How do we do that? We follow the word of truth, King Jesus. So my question is, are we truly standing with God individually, collectively, as workers, unashamed? The answer doesn't come with a yes or a no. It comes exclusively in the doing of the one task that our King has given to us and to us alone. There's a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor in Nazi Germany. I'm going to read a very small excerpt from a book that he wrote that's called Discipleship. Bonhoeffer is talking about the story of the rich young ruler and how he went away downtrodden, sad, because Jesus told him that there was one thing that he lacked. Bonhoeffer goes on to say, The biblical hearer knew that the only answer to this call was simple obedience. The promise of community with Jesus is given exclusively only to this obedience. But we today, we would say, we heard Jesus say, leave, but we understand him. What he really means is to stay. We heard what Jesus said, don't worry, but we have to worry about our jobs and our lives and our relationships and our financial situation. It would be irresponsible not to do so. We heard Jesus say, turn the other cheek, but what he really means is that we stand up and we fight for justice. We heard when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be taken care of, added unto you. But we understand what he really means. Bonhoeffer concludes that section saying, everywhere it is the same the deliberate avoidance of simple, literal obedience. Our king has given us one command. One. Jesus stood there after his resurrection, and the imperative was disciple. Disciple. We have an opportunity as the church, and it's ours and ours alone, to disciple. It's not for the Fortune 100 companies of the world. It's not for parachurch organizations. It's for us, his bride. It's not just for me as the pastor. It's for us. Are you a workman that's unashamed, standing with God? following the word of truth? Are you? Each week there's a time of response. 
And my concern is, is that what we do is we get caught in the ritual, the ceremony, the formality, the tide of repetition. I'm supposed to go up there and be quiet for a few minutes. I'm supposed to get down on my knees. But how do we respond to the word of truth? The only true response is with our lives, abandoning unto Yahweh. How will you respond today? How will you respond?